And we're live. Zach Crook, what's going on? What's up, man? Thanks for joining me. It's such an early hour, 8.37 a.m. Of course, brother. We got our coffee. We're good to go. Early bird, get worms. That's what they say, right? But uh, yeah, man, thanks for joining me. We've been meaning to get this in the in the bank for a while, but now that you got a new song, Better Taste, out, I figured it was probably a good time for it. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. As a... Uh, yeah, as we're talking, it's what, two days? No, it's tomorrow. Uh, it's coming out. Yeah, so it comes out tomorrow. This will be a little, out a little bit after that. Right. But, uh, yeah, Tune comes out tomorrow. We worked on it. It's honestly, honestly the quickest turnaround we've ever done. But, really? Yeah, yeah. So what's that time frame? The, this time last month, we were working. We made the song in two days. Okay. And then it is out tomorrow. So yeah. So like month from like start to finish which is kind of crazy so when you started this song it was a month ago yeah wow yeah. that is really fast <laughs> it's really quick what's like the usual time frame for you uh the last song that we released which was july of this past year um we had started recording that one and so july of 2022 is when it was released we started recording that one january of 2021 oh wow okay so a lot longer yeah and that one was like written like three years before that. Gotcha. Yeah. So that one's like really old. How long does it usually take between when you write a song and then once you get into the studio and then once it releases? Because for me, it's been like you write a song and then maybe depending on when you go and record, it might be like a year after that. Yeah. Um, dude, it really depends. So like the record that we made two years ago, June. Um, some of those songs are really old, and then some of them were like written in pretty like real time for that record. Um, but then, like this album, we're like two thirds of the way through it, and "Move On" is the one that I was talking about that took really like a long time. That one's really old. Yeah. And then like "Anniversary," I finished. We did that one last. We did that one last September. I think literally the 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 date was like. I finished writing it uh, August 31st. We were in the studio on either like September 1st or September 2nd recording that song. Wow. And then that one came out in February of this past year. Um, and then that better, was the first one. That was the anniversary. first. Anniversary was the first single for this record. Um, and then Better Taste. I finished writing it. I actually wrote that one with Jacob Mallow. And I'd started writing it in June. I like kind of hit a, hit a block and then called Mallow up. We started writing on it a little bit for like one night. And then I like got it to the finish line probably like a couple weeks before we went into the studio. But honestly, Anniversary and, and Better Taste are like the two of the most excited or two like two of the times I've been like the most excited. Yeah. And so I think that maybe that's kind of the ticket is like yeah, finishing this like finish writing the song and then like get in there and like get the hands on. Do you do any sort of demo before you go into the studio? Not really. Like, I mean, I like, I'll have voice like memos. Voice memo. Yeah, I have voice memos of the song, but like, I don't really build it out. I started to try and do that. And then it just always felt like, for me personally, it felt like it was kind of just like me running in circles. Hmm. Um, 
trying yeah. to add like yeah. other guitar parts or vocal. Yeah, things. I mean, I think that I've just I've kind of learned that my Zach Crook kind of operates as a band, um, which I'm very grateful for. That I have like I've got two guys, Tom and Hamp. Shout out, shout out, Tom and Hamp, uh, Tommy Trotwine, Hampton P. Um, Wabaz Records. Wabaz Records. We bought a zoo. Um, no, so they they became part of my live band in 2018, and then we made June together in 2020. Like right before the pandemic hit, we started working on that. Mm-hmm. And then once the pandemic hit, that's really like kind of all we did. Right. I, guess, I say that Tom worked on a bunch of records, but right, right. Me, him, and Hampton were like very locked for for June. Um and I wrote most of that record, but now I'm kind of like now it's kind of coming into like I'm letting them kind of do their thing a lot more. And everyone's everyone's a lot better now. Uh just cuz it's been time, you know, and like right. we're all like we were all younger 20s, now we're hitting like the mid 20s kind of thing and it's like we're just all kind of figuring it out and like figuring out what we think is cool, like the voice and like how we want it to sound and um and after spending a lot of time with each other and knowing what each other think is cool, it's like a little bit easier than maybe that first album to to lock into something that you know is gonna be tight. Exactly. Yeah, it feels like it felt like June this is kind of a shitty analogy, probably. But it feels like we were like going out for like a football team in high school and June is like, All right, we're here to fucking try out and then now it's like, Oh, I know our like okay, cool. Tom's quarterback, I'm safety, and, like, it feels like we all have our, our different roles. You know the routes. Yeah, exactly. It's like we know we know what we're doing because it's like, okay, cool. Tom is going to handle, like, lead guitar parts, and if he, if he doesn't come with it, then, like, or if we don't need it, then I'll handle the guitars. But as soon as it gets, like, if it needs to be thrashy, it's like, all right, cool. Tom's way better at this than I am. Tom can handle that, and, like, Tom will write that part. Mm-hmm. Hampton's starting to write chords for the songs. And so like that's what Hampton uh, wrote, like the outro chords for Better Taste. Um, cool. And so, but mainly it's, I'll, I'll write most of the words and then I'll come in. Tom co-wrote Anniversary with me, actually. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Because I came into the studio and I was like, here's this song. And I like played it for him. And he was like, cool, we need to like make some sort of hook. And so then he and I kind of just like puzzle pieced it and like, so I'm um, guessing that was Tom on like that spastic guitar uh, at the end. Tom, yeah, Tom does that. Oh, on for better taste. For better taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, that was Tom. Yeah, uh, what inspired that idea? Because it's so like perfect for that moment. It feels like it's all leading up to this like, like almost anxiety attack. Dude, we <laughs> that one's funny. We, me and Tom were in the car yesterday. I think I I told you briefly yesterday. Like I had I hit the point. Where and it happens about a month after I finish a song, I'll like I'll listen to it. I'll like beat it to death in my car, where like I'm listening to it, listen to it. I'm like, this shit is sick. And then it right. hits where it's like, God damn it, this sucks. It's like totally and the opposite su- yeah. like feeling. But it had already been uploaded to like all the the internet and stuff, and it was like getting ready to release. And so I was like, well, fuck it, I can't take it down. Right. I'm just gonna like let it be. And I know I had to trust it, like I know it's good. Um, but me and Tom were like talking about it in the car yesterday, and that's like that got me back into. it. I was like, okay, sick, this is cool. But we were talking about that guitar part because it doesn't make any sense. And I think he actually, he legitimately took like one pass at it. 
I think maybe two, but most of that is like, I was sitting on the ground. He was going through my rig into H3000 and he was using a, he was using the mini strat. Oh, sick. For those of you who are listening, I bought him, I bought a Squire mini Stratocaster that was pretty garb. And then I, <laughs> I, uh, I put like 500 bucks into it for like new pickups and tuners and stuff. And now it kind of rips. It's sick. And um, it's pink. It's pink and it's very small. It looks like a toy. That's awesome. Um, but Tom was going through mini strat through my rig into like H3000. And so I was just sitting on the ground fucking around with the pedals. And he was, he had the H3000 on some whack setting. And then, yeah, that's uh, his rack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And uh, so then he was just playing really weird shit. And that's actually, there's like a weird, like bouncy noise that goes right before like the drop yes, of that yeah. song. What is that? That's. That's you can actually hear it. He literally just like spliced a part of that crazy like oh, okay. thrash solo and just put it right there. But like that's in the middle of the thrash solo. But it's so funny. It's like it's almost like this cartoonish like, dude. Boing, 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 boing. It is really weird. And I was kind of like I felt weird about it at first. And that's kind of the thing when I was saying like we all have our roles. Like my role <laughs> in our our I don't know. Not three way. Three was a weird thing to say. Threesome. How about that? And our th- yes, and our threesome. <laughs> uh, my role is that I, I'm the one that's like no, I'm the guy. I'm like mm, you're I'm, the gatekeeper. I feel like the mother a little bit. Where I'm like no, and so, <laughs> uh, that was put in there, and I was like I don't know, man. Like we have another song on the album that hasn't come out yet, and like we put a glitch in that because Hampton's just been like on a really big like Deaton kick. Hmm. And so he was like, dude, let's put a fucking glitch in it. And then, so it's like, Burr! and I was like pretty anti that. And I've come around to that. And then the boing, oing, 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 I was, <laughs> I was pretty anti. And then I kind of, I came around to it. I was like, okay, this is cool. I asked them, I was like, do you get, after, after we let it sit for like a week, I was like, we only mixed it once. Um, also, which was kind of crazy. Huh. Um, but I like sat down, me and Tom to mix it. And I was like, do you think we need to change that noise? And he was like, hell no. And I was Ooh. like, all right, like, dude. Okay. I was I like, I'm not going to die on this hill. I think it's cool. I think it's kind of comical, but, um, were you nervous about how people would think about it? Or did you just think it was like, like not you? Like dude, what was the concern? That's the thing. I'm kind of like trying to figure that out. I, I don't think it was so much of like, thankfully, most of the, and there's exceptions to this, but most of the time with music these days, I am more worried about impressing myself than impressing other people. Mm. Um, like if I think that what, if I think the shit that we're doing is cool, then I'm like, you know what? It might not like hit, but it's what I want to be doing. And so I think that's cool. But I think for that specific situation, I think I was just like, I think I just couldn't wrap my head around. I was like, this sounds silly. <laughs> but yeah. then I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. It's it's cool. Whatever. It it the whole character of the song shifts after like that part in the song. And so I don't really know. Tom's like, dude, that's that's what needs to happen. I was like, alright, dude, whatever. It is a pretty wild transition, but I never thought it was especially after hearing it a few times now, it doesn't feel out of place. I mean, it certainly is kind of shocking in a way yeah um, but in a good way because then right after that it goes into that drop beat 
yeah, yeah. whatever you the, call the that. The breakbeat type Yeah, shit. the breakbeat. Yeah. Um, but it is important, I've noticed, when you do have those feelings of like, oh, God, is this really going to work, to take a week off from hearing it. And you never know. I mean, there's been times in a song, like, I have this one thing that when I was working with Kevin in Philly, he, like, did this, like, little lick, and we were both like, ah, we'll take it out later. And then we heard it so many times in the song, it just became part of it. And then we took it out, and it didn't sound like the song anymore, so we put it back in. And then it's weird how things, like, make their way into your song like that. It is weird. If they stick around for long enough, they're, like they're kind of in you know right it's like they're part of the family now you can't yeah can't kick them out so what was like maybe some of the challenges of creating this particular song that maybe you didn't have to deal with other ones or maybe with this new album some challenges that weren't as much of a problem with june yeah um it's it's interesting so this song honestly this song was kind of like it felt like it was the easiest thing that we've done in a while. I say that. It, looking back, it feels easy. I think in the moment, it was, we couldn't really figure out. I had written it as, as a pretty straight R&B song. And that's kind of the thing is we also, the three of us, have very different tastes and like influences on our music. And mine is like very, like I listen to a lot of R&B. I listen to a bit of hip hop. And then like I listen to like pop music. And country music and tom listens to like emo rock tom tom has a pretty a pretty wide palette at this point just from like producing and stuff right. and i mean he probably appreciates music on a, a whole different level than i do but he comes from like the rock universe and then hampton's like into like weird shit like hmm. not quite hyper pop but like he he like fucks a little around a little bit with like hyper pop type stuff and like funk and like I don't know any of like the crazy stuff that he sends like anything that Hampton sends me is like a little bit like out of left field yeah. but it's really cool um and it's really helped him get like really good at that like the heady stuff right um and so I wrote it as like an R&B song and then I bring it into the studio to people who don't listen to R&B and I was like here's what I'm thinking and they're like no nah, dude you're singing too much and I was like <laughs> shit man but i was like i want it but then so we like cut things like that where it's like tom's like no this needs to like you need to just like cut the word here and stuff like this and so i have to like every time we do this i have to like reacclimate myself be like let it go zach it's gonna be fine right like this is a team sport you know and so that happened again so that's always like something i have to figure out mentally where i'm like dude this hill is not worth dying on just like trust the process and like you're not trying to make songs that you like listen to you're trying to make shit that like you think is interesting and so like we're blending a Mm -hmm. lot of different things or at least we're trying to that sounds pretentious that we're like yeah we're doing some shit that no one's ever done that's yeah revolutionary that's not true um simply not true we're just trying to everybody's always taken bits and pieces of things that already exist to make something yeah slight you know slightly newer yeah and that's the hope is that we have like weird enough influences the three of us separately that we can bring something together and make something cool yeah and something that's like approachable i guess but cool well it's good that you have that holy trinity of different musical tastes so that i mean if you have three dudes that 
only listen to D'Angelo, you're going to yeah. make a song that sounds like D'Angelo. Right. And well, I and hear we'll, those influences. And we will fall, we will fall short right. of that. Yeah, I mean, everyone will. But, and I know you all love D'Angelo, but it's good that, you know, uh, there, you have that center, you know, that center of the Venn diagram. Yeah. And then there's, you know, everybody else has some shit that is a little bit more out there yeah. that you can pull those influences from. Yeah. It is cool to have like a true north and just be like, all right, so this is like vain and like this is the holy grail and we will not really try and touch that, but like let's try and like fuck around and see where we get. Yeah. Um, and but, <coughs> go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Oh, God, my throat's all messed up. Um, but what you said earlier about kind of uh, having that moment of like, oh, like now don't freak out. Like we're going to change the song. You can only do that if you trust those people. Yeah. Like if you have that feeling and you don't trust those people, don't do it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you guys dude. have worked together and you know that it's going to be a good outcome. Right. I mean, that's kind of the thing is it, this, the stuff feels equally theirs as it does mine, even though it's like the project is Zach Crook. And so I kind of have to like remind myself of like, these guys care sometimes more than I do and like trusting like that alone where it's like, all right, cool. They're not just going to like, this isn't just like a field day for them. It's like, right. We're trying to like make some shit that's like, we all are like proud of and something that we think is cool and like trying to do something new. Um, so that was definitely like a challenge of this because this song was like pretty like vocal heavy and like the way that I, I'm much like less technically inclined than they are. Like as far as like even like the way that I think about music, I think a lot more like feel than like they're thinking of like, dude, you're pushing way too much on this stuff. And it's like, oh yeah. Like when I'm writing stuff, I'm not really thinking like too much about like tempo or even I'm just like, all right, cool. This feels good. And like this is the ballpark idea. And they, they kind of like dissect that and, the challenge is like for me to like not feel like I'm getting my toes stepped on or like not yeah. like get like weird about it, you know? Yeah. And so, sorry, my phones went out for a second. There we go. Um, there we go. But I, I just have to check myself and be like, yo, this is fine. This is why, like, this is why we do this, you know? Like, yeah. This is why I'm not doing it all by myself. Um, so maybe more of like an internal checking in with yourself yeah. is the challenge. I mean, t- Tom has like, cut a couple lyrics off this record that like i was like pretty into but then it's like at the end of the day it's like okay yeah like this is the pop song on the record and like i can't have like section b of verse one Hmm. when like it doesn't really matter and it's like stuff like that um and then also i feel like we always struggle with like finding what we want like the rhythm sound to be and so like for this, for like the verse part of Better Taste, it's, uh, I always thought it was going to be like a little bit more saucy and a little bit more like, I don't know. I thought it was just going to sound cooler than, cooler than what it does. Um, but it's like, it's my old acoustic. It, we got the Gibson on the track for the first time in a while. Cool. Um, and so it has like a natural flutter to it, but it's like literally just like me playing like, oh, a pretty easy, like, I think it's like a a three string picking pattern kind of mm-hmm. thing and it doesn't really sound all that cool. It's it sounds fine but like the dynamics of this like 
when you zoom out and like think of like the dynamics of the song and where it's trying to go, it's like you don't want to you don't want to peak too early. You yeah, know? you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, and so sorry, they're really good about uh, reining me in with that, and that's kind of what happened. And so psychologically, I'm kind of like battling myself from like I had this thought about this song, but now we're fleshing it out like this. Um, but I think once we got once we got the strumming acoustic on like the chorus section of that first half of the song, yeah. Me and Hampton and Tom like all kind of like locked, and we were like, "Oh shit, we get, we got it." Right. Yeah. That so moment like, where everyone's like, "Okay, we found, we found the path." Yeah. The way through. But dude, honestly, with that, that was really the only challenge that felt significant. And like once we got that, we were like, "Oh shit, like let's fuck this up." And so. So maybe like finding that identity, the identity of the song, because it can really go so many ways yeah. once you've written. Once you've written it and it's only you who's heard it and it's just a voice memo, yeah. it's like the possibilities are endless and that can be kind of daunting if you don't quite know where you want to take it. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm, I tried not to get too attached to the voice memos because then like, and I send them to the guys in, in advance, but like, obviously when you've written a song compared to like, I don't expect them to listen to that every day. Like I'm like obsessing over to my car where I'm like, right okay, what am I thinking here? Like, they come in, they got pretty fresh ears. I've been listening to it for, like, a month or two. And so, like, I have these ideas, and then they're like, no, 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 hear me out. <laughs> and so... It's good. Yeah. It's good to have that. It is good. I'm, I'm very grateful for the dynamic that we have. So, in what ways, since you've started, it's kind of a big question, do you feel like you've improved as an artist? Hmm. Um, I think that... I, in terms of writing, I used to think that it was like a weird optimistic outlook on life, but also a bit maybe of narcissism where I was like everything that I like, everything that happens to me, because most of my songs are, are written pretty like, not many of them are narrative. Most of them are like me, you know? Yeah. And like what's gone on with me and like people that I'm involved with. Um... And so I think that I used to, like, look through the lens of, like, everything that I, like, do or say matters, and I'm going to write this stuff. And, like, and that was fun as, like, a 18, 19-year-old because I was, like, writing about, like, the good parts of life and stuff. And, like, I was pretty, pretty into capturing that, even though, I th like, looking back, it's like, oh, this is, like, silly. Um, but I kind of, honestly, I'm, I look back and, like... <laughs> smile at the kid that was me or like you know <laughs> naive what? You, little child i think you were like not happier it was like it's a different thing but i was yeah. like man you know at least you were like not worried about like like i look back and i'm like that's silly and like kind of lame but like me then was just like stoked about playing music yeah and i still kind of feel that way where i'm like i'm just stoked to be playing you know but my lens is a little bit more cynical now and i'm like I think a lot more shit is lame now, which is like, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer. And like, I try like not to be an ass about it. Um, but the things, and it, it's, I feel like I'm a lot more myself now. It felt like I was, so I, going into music, I was very into like middle school, early high school. I was like pretty into an array of things that being R and B and like growing up on like D'Angelo music, soul child. Like I liked, 
Dude, my favorite artist in like sixth grade was Chris Brown. Nice. I thought he was so sick. Nothing problematic uh, about that. I don't condone Chris Brown's actions. His songs are hits. Yeah, disclaimer. Um, but I like grew up on that stuff, and then culturally, like who I was around when I was graduating high school was like very into like the suburban pop, like Nashville crowd. And honestly, that's what like made me start like thinking about playing music. So I'm very grateful for that in retrospect. Um, but all those guys are like really like just like normal dudes, which is a really cool thing. But like normal dude also, I think that I like took that too far and like was like trying to like really hard to be that and like kind of suppressing like my actual like wants and opinions of music. And I was more of like, oh, I should be like this type of guy that like appeals to this type of people and really, really leaned into that. And that's like what it felt like my first record or my first EP was where it was like me trying to write like certain songs rather than like trying to write like what I wanted to write. Um, And then once I something kind of switched. It was it was like middle of the pandemic where I was like. I wrote a song called Same Time. We started recording that one before the pandemic. And that one was like the first dip of the toe into like, like this some new sort era. of, yeah, some sort of like different vibe. And we were trying to make an R&B song then and it did not really work. Um, live, it feels like an R&B song. The recording, me and Tom have talked about it. I have, I have a bunch of regrets about the recording of that song, but it's okay. Um, there's there's no way that once you put out a song that you're going to listen to it later and be like, everything is perfect. I would change nothing about this. Yeah, that one just has a lot of those. Like, a lot of things mm-hmm. on I'm like, shit, man. But, honestly, that was one of Tom's earlier recordings, and that was our first time working together, um, where he was at the helm. And so, all that being said, I th- I'm still proud of it in some regard, and I think it's cool. Yeah. And it was like that was the entrance to the era of like crook that I feel like I'm living in now. Right. Um, and so, uh, once I like kind of gave up the ghost of like who I felt like I was supposed to be, and like thinking about like guys who I knew everyone around me really liked, like people were like super into Ben Rector, and I I thought he was cool too. No shade to Ben Rector. Nope. Get your bag, my friend. Um, <laughs> I don't really know him that well. I feel like I've heard one or two songs. He's got songs that were like on Oprah commercials and shit. And okay. uh, he had Snoop Dogg on a song on this last record, which we don't need to talk about. <laughs> um, but it's like pop, I guess. He's like pop. He's like dad pop at this point. Okay. okay. And so, and I think that like I, as like an 18 year old, I looked at my palette and I was like, all right, I... I'm a white guy with an acoustic guitar right now. And mm-hmm. like, I'm relatively happy. I could write songs like this where it's like, life is good yeah. kind of stuff. And I think that at some point I was like, dude, like all the stuff that I listened to in high school was like the, some sort of like more interesting music than that, you know, where it's like, I don't know, a more like hip hop influence. And like, honestly, and I think that 
it's making a resurgence, which I'm really stoked about, but just like black music in general. Yeah. Is like kind of being recognized for like how great it is and how influential. Yeah, dude, it's, it's in everything. And so I think that once I kind of like realized, I was like, dude, like you can make the stuff that you want to make. Cause I used to be like, oh, I can't do that. And then I was like, what the fuck am I trying to say to people right now? Like, it's just like a weird thing to like think. And it's also a weird thing to say out loud to be like, yeah, I can't do that. And like, it wasn't out of like respect or anything. It was just like, I guess, assumption and also probably a lot of fear. Um, Because it's a lot easier for me to stand up there with an acoustic guitar and be like, here's something happy. And like, yeah, here's some Ed Sheeran. Yeah, exactly. Other than to be like, okay, this thing is like, this shit is going to make me think a lot about like how I'm playing and like you get lost in it a lot easier um, rather than like just getting up there and playing. Um, and so that is probably the biggest development for me personally is like I've allowed myself to, to do things where I'm like, all right, look the stuff. And I also used to be really worried about like not many people, not many of my friends were listening to a lot of the same stuff that I was listening to. And so when I would show them stuff, if it was like something that I thought was cool, they would not be super into it. And so I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, right. you're right, you're right, you're right. You mentally clocked that. Yeah, I was like, later. And so the more like comfortable I've become with like that being a thing, like maybe people aren't going to get it or like people aren't going to like it that much. But like if I'm into it, that's great. Um, that has become more and more of a thing. And like that is honestly helped me so much. Um, but then also uh, the the dynamic of Hampton and Tom with me has been huge. Um, yeah. They were like the studio players on my records for a while. And then um, Tom produced Same Time, which became the first single off of June. And then we worked on... We've worked on basically everything since then. Um, Andrew, my uh, my friend Andrew Wong, he did a song called You Wouldn't Know that was on June. Um, and we were living together at the time. He had a studio in our house. Um, and so, and he had done a lot of my stuff previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really cool. And that was honestly really fun because I had worked on a couple songs with Tom and we had kind of established this new direction of like, whatever where you want whatever go. we're doing right. yeah, yeah yeah and then andrew was like whoa i didn't know you like, kind of wanted to do this because andrew had done like the like the weird disc golf songs and shit with me disc golf <laughs> and uh disc golf rock <laughs> and uh and so andrew was like oh shit this is cool i would love to work on one of these and so we worked on you wouldn't know together and that one ended up being the song from that record that popped which was cool yeah but, uh yeah, like kind of doing like, it's just a, I don't really know what to call it, but it's just different stuff than like what we had been doing. And so I think that's probably one of the bigger, the bigger changes. The guys getting involved has been a bigger change. And honestly, from June to, I listened to June the other day and then I listened to what we've been working on. And so Tom, we, we made June with no, uh, with like no real like hardware or like analog gear. That was all like plugins and shit. And wow. like Tom was just like figuring that stuff out. Um, cause it was still early on in his, it was like 
in the first year of his recording process. Okay. And uh, since then, I mean, you've seen the studio. He has it's wild. Yeah, he has a bunch a of a lot shit of now. toys. And so, um, everything takes a lot longer now because we don't do anything really in post as much as we used to. It used to just be like get the sound, like play it, and then right. like we'll just like mess with it and end the end. And uh, that was really fun because we moved really quickly. And this record's taking a lot longer because like literally we get in the studio and like you're tweaking the sound before you record it. Yeah, for like hours. And that's kind of Tom and Hamp's lane. And so I'm just kind of like sitting there and like chilling and like right, go grab a coffee, working on the song, maybe and like trying to like bounce some ideas here and there. But like they're really kind of like trying to dial that in. Um, especially Tom, but, uh, when I was listening to June and then I was listening to the new stuff, I was like, this, it's the new record is better. Um, and I think it's because I'm very hesitant to let people get involved with my shit, but I am, I'm getting better about like, I've selected, all right, Tom and Hampton are like really the two people that I will let work on my stuff with me right now. Um, And now I'm like kind of like letting, it felt like, okay, I'm letting them work with me. And now it's more of like they are working with me, not like I'm letting them work with me, if that makes sense. Yeah. It feels like there's no longer really a gate. Like Tom writing on Anniversary, Hampton writing on Better Taste. And then I I like, when when I was working on Better Taste, I specifically knew that Mallow was going to be the one that could help me get get it to where I needed it to be. Yeah. And we had a really pretty short writing session one night and he was like, not, he told me, he was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I couldn't actually like help you. And then he, when he left, I was like, Oh, I think we got it. And so like, <laughs> within like the next couple of days I had finished the song. Cause wow. he'd like, he had thrown enough on it for me to like, kind of like, and, uh, right. and so sometimes it doesn't all happen right then and there. Yeah, exactly. It's like you have to, Spend those few hours cultivating it. Yeah. And then a day later, all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I got it. It all clicks. Yeah, exactly. And that's how kind of that was. But the more that I've looked at it, June was like pretty exclusively me writing on stuff and like a lot of my ideas and like me and Tom, it was very, very collaborative. Don't get me wrong. I don't want it to make it sound like that was me. But all uh, Zach. But because I mean, these, they do so much. Um, but most of the ideas and like the vision was me for a lot of it. And now I'm kind of like realizing how much I've kind of let go a little bit more on this record. And it's way, 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 way for the better, you know? Um, yeah, that can be a, a hard, you know, power struggle internally to allow people to get, you know, to get their hands on what you've made because they could make it for the worse. Yeah. But if you know that they're going to take care of it the way that, you know, Hampton and Tommy do, then you can let it go. But even still, every time, every time it's a struggle to allow yourself to hand this thing that's so personal and special over to somebody else. Yeah, dude, it is tough. But it is, I've, like I said, when I did like the A-B side by side, I was like, oh, that's why this is better. Is like, right. They're a, they're a bit more involved and like. This isn't just like my ideas because my ideas are pretty limited in, yeah. the, in the grand scheme of it, you know? It sounds like, you know, over the years, you've you found the team, you know? Yeah. You built your team and you also feel maybe more comfortable embracing what you like as opposed to worrying about what other people are going to like from you. Yeah. 
I when I was so we were making June in this was in May of 2020 and one of my favorite records still um it came out then and it was called To Let a Good Thing Die and it was by Bruno Major and he was a big influence on June for a couple of the songs you could probably it was a direct influence, but um, I was listening to an interview with him because he released a song. He released the album in the middle of the pandemic, like it was two months into like mm-hmm. quarantine and shit. And someone was like, "Why did you do that? Are you worried about it being successful and stuff?" And he was like, "I have like gotten to the point where an album like that album is already successful to me because I think it's awesome. Mm. Like he's like, I think it's I think all that shit is really cool." He was like, and so for me, like the battle is won. And that was kind of like, that kind of became my mindset. And that's kind of like where I've gone to where it's like, if we collectively think this shit is sick, then like, we're doing, that's it. We're doing great. Yeah. You know, like not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to get it. There's not much to get. There's not like a, right. You know, but, um, I think that like that was kind of a helpful turning point. Yeah. And like my psyche towards music where I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't like, I don't need to just like try and like make it. Right. I just like want to impress like, yourself. Yeah. Honestly, it's like, if I think this shit is sick, then like I am winning. Yeah. You know? it, it's funny how that you go through phases. Once you learn that, it's not like every time after that yeah. you feel that feeling. Like, when you start out, it seems like you'll write that one thing that you think is sick, and then it only takes showing it to one person who doesn't give that immediate, like, fuck yeah feeling that you're like, oh, and then you kind of crawl back in that shell a little bit. Yeah. Gradually, you come back, and then it's just like this sine wave of going up and down. And sometimes those are good things when you get checked like that, because you're like, oh, yeah, dude, not everything that I do turns to gold. Right. Like, you're like, oh, shit, this was a bad idea. Yeah, that is its own valuable lesson. Yeah. And then you take the things that were cool from that and you apply it to the next and then you ditch the exactly. stuff that didn't quite work. Yeah, dog. It's all puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. Every song is the same song. <laughs> yeah. You're we're just all just trying. recreating the same thing. Yeah. You're just trying to mix and match. Yeah. Uh, I do want to bring up the shirts. Super cool badass. Yes. So if, you, if you're in Athens and you need band tees, hit up Zach. Hit me. The fuck up they're awesome what made you want to start doing this uh i think i like to think of myself as a relatively funny person and like the way that i think that I, it's kind of niche it's not like i think that i think a lot of shit is really silly and so I, I started thinking about that all with like clothes and stuff. And mm-hmm. like we have a song on the new record called uh, Shark, or, yeah, yeah, Shark Attack Christ Air. It used to be called Jesus Christ, but then Tom made me change it. <laughs> Come um, on, Tom. He thought it was Although, problematic. I like yours or this new one a lot better. Maybe better it's because I know. Oh, no. I mean, oh. Jesus Christ. Oh. Shark Attack. What is it? Shark Attack Christ Air. Shark Attack Christ Hell yeah, Air. dude. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I play a lot of Tony Hawk's Underground and I have my PS2 hooked up in our living room and, uh, I like thought about that one and I was like, oh, this would be like so funny to like fucking put on a shirt and thought about like my character that looks like me and like the combo like text at the bottom. And I was like, oh, that'd be funny. And 
I was also, I was bidding, I was trying to get like this show at the theater, the bigger venue in, in Athens. I was trying to open up for this band over the summer and I was like, it was a pretty tight window and I was like, shit, I don't really have a ton of money. I need to figure out how to print merch for this show because that's the only way I'm going to make money on this show. Right. And I mean, when you screen print, you can only do like so much of like, you have to print minimums and stuff and like. I only wanted to print as many as I could sell at that show. Right. And so I started doing some research and stuff. And then I found this girl on Instagram that was doing stuff. Um, that was like kind of weird, but it was, it was definitely pretty funny. And it's like her own, it's like her own lane of design and stuff. And I was kind of just studying videos of like how she was doing it. And she had a heat press and I was like, I knew what a heat press was. Cause I was like, Oh, that's how you make shitty shirts. Right. That are like super like vinyl-y and like yeah. like it's weird. Um it like but, feels like you're wearing like this plastic yeah, square. Exactly. Whatever. And so I was like, fuck that. That's that's lame. And then I like started looking at her prints and I was like, whoa. I was like, these don't look like that though. And so I I started doing more research on it and like everywhere everywhere on the internet is gonna tell you like this the like the safe way to print it i guess i don't really know if mm-hmm. safe i'm not like a dangerous guy i feel like that, <laughs> made, that made me sound like i'm living on the edge yeah here. um but With like shirts yeah yeah by printing t-shirts <laughs> um but it was like it's basically like oh you want to print them at 300 for 15 seconds but then i looked at what she was doing and i was like whoa texturally like that looks really cool and like it looks like it's in the garment right. and then I like zoomed in into the background of her, like she's in the foreground, like talking or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like pinch zooming into the back of the video. And I'm like, what are her settings? And she was investigation. Yeah. I was up to like 3 a.m. just like laying in my bed. And I was like, (laughs) um, and she was printing at like 450 for like 40 seconds. And so I was like, whoa, I wonder what would happen if I did that. And then I kind of figured out that like, that burns it almost like basically into the shirt. Like all the ink goes into the, like the actual thread rather than like sitting on top. And it feels almost like screen printing, but I can do them at like minimum. Like I can do if like, like one of our buddies needed eight shirts for a show that he was playing in town. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to like try and sell out of them. And so like, I can do those. No problem. I hand cut everything. Um, and then I like print it, uh, and I can also do like full color with like no like extra charge, which is cool. Yeah. And so like that guy specifically, he had been like doing collages and stuff for all of his posters, but he's never been able to print a collage because of like the colors and stuff and like the color limitations of screen printing. And so he was able to do a collage and I'm really stoked about how that turned out. Is but this Canon? That was Canon. Yeah. yeah those yeah. shirts were, were sick. Dude, those collages were really were great. Cool. Yeah. He like turned it into like a National Geographic cover. Yeah, it was so sick. Um, so did you ever think that you would be doing this for other people when uh, you bought the uh, the hot press? I knew it was a, a possibility when I bought it. I was like, it was a pretty low risk, high reward purchase. I like kind of did the math. I was like, all right, if I can sell like twenty shirts of my own, I will have made the money back, and it will have been worth it. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I can always do my own merch even if no one else ever trusts me to make their merch. And I think I had like an insecurity of like, people are gonna be like, Oh, Zach's just doing a thing again. Like, right. And thankfully people have like kind of taken me a little bit seriously enough to like, and it's funny cause I'm 
there's like no rules. I'm like kind of just making like we're doing shirts for Tom that are like Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Like I'm getting to do like the dumb, silly shit that I think is really funny and like pretty cool. Yeah. And all these ideas, I'm like, oh, I would want this on a shirt. Now I'm like actually getting to do that. And I'm kind of just like, like last night I did one for uh, Carmen. That I was saw like the that, Hotel Fiction the shirt. The Bass Pro. Shot. He had been asking me for a, a custom like Hotel Fiction shirt. He wanted Harley Davidson. I tried to like mock one up and I couldn't come up with something that I thought was cool. And then it like snapped and I was like, what if I just put it on the Bass Pro logo? And <laughs> I think that was really like that shit's like funny and like cool and like the bootleg stuff is really cool. And so I'm getting to do that and I'm kind of just like like shirts like that. I'm like getting to like print them and then like be like, all right, show these to show these to whoever right. and hopefully they'll hit me up and like. Yeah, it's literally like wearing your business card. Yeah. Essentially. It's cool. And so it also is like, it motivates me a little bit more to like make cool shit. Yeah. I haven't really, pre- I mean, at this point I haven't really printed anything that I'm not proud of, which I'm, I'm pretty stoked about. So, but I'm, I'm not designing everything. Yeah. I'm still very partial to the, the Rad Pit oh, t-shirt. Dude, the Rad Pit shirts. I printed one of those this week actually for a guy. Um, oh, really? Yeah. See, one of these days, you're going to know you've made it because you're going to get a cease and desist letter yeah. from some celebrity or company. I know. Um, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm intentionally staying small. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't stream my shit. No, no, no. Yeah. I can't. Keep it <laughs> I've hipster. I've got a t-shirt business to worry about. <laughs> God super forbid cool, music badass. works out. Yeah. Super cool, badass prints. <laughs> What's something that somebody wouldn't know about the struggles of making like printing t-shirts? Uh, there's a recipe for every fabric. Oh, meaning like, and I've got to figure the, it out. The temperature. Yeah. Like temperature, that, the time. it's temperature, time and pressure. And so I'm doing 55. I'm doing the biggest order that I've done yet, which is 55. Damn. For a guy in Chattanooga, Chase. He's in a band called El Rocco. And I definitely fucked one of their shirts up yesterday. I like, I knew I fucked it up. And so I was like. All right, this one's gonna be the testing ground, and so I right. just like printed a bunch of shit all over it, trying to like figure uh, out and like smart. dial in. Yeah, that way I wasn't wasting more than one shirt. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, the test one kind of came out sick. It looks like very like he gave. I, there's two different prints that I'm using for the shirt, and they're both just like all over. And like I did one on the sleeve and stuff, and it kind of looks cool. I'm gonna throw it in with their order, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, the recipe thing is tough. Uh, I'm learning the hard way that like. The thicker the shirt, the better. And I, I tend to think that like thicker shirts, I like the fit and like the feel of like thicker cotton better anyways. Um, and then also my method of like the heat press method of printing. Printing on like white and like lighter colors in general is one way. And then printing on dark is a totally different thing. Hmm. And the dark stuff, I haven't. So, like I said, I I figured out like the cheat code of like printing on the light stuff, where it's like literally like burn it or like bake it into the shirt. Um, with the black, you can't really do that hmm. um, because you're literally like ironing on like a a sticker kind of thing. Yeah, it's really weird. Well, the and one so, you did for Tommy with the Lego Star Wars thing that was a dark shirt. That was that turned so, out pretty well. That one it looks really good in the photos, but if you felt it. It would feel kind of weird, okay. and that's like something I'm not stoked about. Does and it I don't feel really finally, wanna, yeah, okay. And I just don't really want to sell that. Um, and so I've had to turn away a couple of people, and just be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I can't do black or like dark right now." And at this point, 
it's only I've only been doing this for like two months at this point, but I'm kind of putting it on pause where I'm like, I'm just gonna tell people I don't do that. And if that's a deal breaker, no sweat. I understand. Yeah. I'm really sorry. But if we can work something out, then like let's try and do this other idea or like, yeah. um, that's really responsible. You could just take their money and then be like, Hey, yeah. sorry, this is what it is. I don't know. I mean, the the two thoughts of making shirts well, the original thought was, how can I help myself out? And like, how can I, right. you know, like print my own shit. And now that I'm like shifting towards like printing other people's stuff, um, I'm trying to do like, how do I look out for them? And how do I make something that I like, I think is cool and like that I'm proud of. And so I'm printing for really cheap right now and I'll probably have yeah, to go up the on the price that. point. Let the people know, dude, I am printing at like a clean Depending on the day that you catch me, <laughs> uh, like $7 per shirt. I have people supply blanks, so they, I get a bunch of shirts shipped to my house from random people. Not random people. People that I've talked to through the internet. Um, they ship the shirts to my house, and then, so they buy the blanks, and then they, I charge $7 per print per shirt. And then for front and back, I do 9 Okay. Because it's just really labor-intensive. Yeah. Like, I'm hand-cutting every design. And then I'm hand placing and like I'm measuring everything out every time. And so right. um, it is a pretty labor intensive thing, but it's fun and I'm enjoying it a lot. And I'm here and there. I get to design some of the stuff that I print, which is a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. I'm trying to just keep cost low because I, I, I've been printing merch for my own stuff for years. Not like I haven't been printing it, but I've been having to like pay people to print it. Right. And so I know the parts that suck, which is like, dude, I don't have the money to print 50 shirts right now. Or like, yeah. I want to do multiple colors, but they're like, yo, it's 25 extra dollars per color. And like, you can only do three. And it's like, dude, but this image has a bunch. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really stoked about how that stuff turned out. Like I can do low quantity and I can do full color and I can. You control the whole yeah. process. And so, I mean, I'm just trying to like be a solution for people who like maybe can't afford to do like and it's it's really like i had someone hit me up they needed like three custom shirts for this weekend and they hit me up on monday maybe and they needed them by sunday and i'm gonna like turn those around really easily yeah um and i had to design that stuff too but then do you charge more for you to design it um i haven't really yet but um like for bulk orders i was saying like seven dollars but then like for like really small things, obviously the prices go up. Like if someone's trying to sell their shirts as merch, right? I'm gonna give you like a really low like cost, um, because I understand that. But like if someone's like, "Hey, can you just like make me a shirt?" It's like, yeah, and I designed it. Like, can you just toss me like twenty bucks? Yeah, you know, it's like what a regular I'd shirt say that's would fair cost. And so I'm trying not to like gouge any people, right? Like, um, I want it to be fair for all of us and like. I don't know. I want to just have a good time and make some cool shit. Yeah. And so, super cool, badass print. Hit them up. Hell yeah, baby. Hit them up. Baby. If you're in Athens or not in Athens. Yeah, I've had a bunch else. of bunch of Atlanta, a bunch of Chattanooga so far. He's taken over the Southeast region. Uh, Anderson, South Carolina. Yeah. I don't know. Sick. Taking over the Southeast, baby. Well, I'll get mine to you soon. I'll give you my design soon. Hell yeah. So, before we go to the last five... I've been doing a thing where I ask you, the audience, 
what I should ask my guest. So we got a few responses here. Ooh, let me read them to you. What do we got? Okay. So Isaiah Langdon says, "Cool, Georgia Theater or Forty Watt." Uh, the theater is better. I still haven't been to the theater yet. I've only been to the Forty Watt. Okay, Wes Wedge the Pedge shout out says he's got three questions in one. Toothpaste before water. Um, I'm I'm fucking crazy these days. No water. No water at all. Just the saliva. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I'll, I'm gonna try that today. Okay, milk or cereal first? Cereal and milk over top. Yeah, agreed. Pineapple on pizza. I don't, but honestly, I don't care. Yeah, mm. I don't care if you do it. That's such a. I don't, I'm not. But like you a, don't do it. I'm not a pineapple guy. I'm a pizza is a real delicate thing to me. I'm, I am pepperoni. Yep. Because I think that if you that's can, it? if it's a good pepperoni pizza, that's the best pizza you can have. And then sometimes I'll put black olives on. Ooh, yeah. Because it's a little salty. I agree. I mean, you, you can't mess up. Well, that's not true. You can mess up a pepperoni pizza, but a really solid pepperoni pizza. It's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, it's like the you best. Don't need to get too fancy. Iteration. Yeah. And I'm with you on the black olives for sure. Uh, Jay Cherfoli says, "What percent complete are all your Lego Star Wars story modes?" Um, so I only I only own uh, the original Lego Star Wars game. Okay. Yeah. So it's just episodes one, two, three, and story mode is complete, baby. I don't have all the mini kits though. The mini kits? Yeah. What's that? Uh, it's like all the pieces that like build like these oh. crazy ships and shit. Oh, okay. Um, so basically 100%. you have to like with that specifically, damn, I'm only, I'm only into like three video games, guys. And they're all <laughs> like 20 years old now. Um, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, PJ tour, <laughs> Tony Hawk's underground and then Lego Star Wars and Simpsons hit and run. Oh, I didn't know that dude. We got to play that sometime. All right. Yeah. I'm on the last level right now. Okay. Yeah. That, that game's fucking hard, dude. As a 25-year-old, I'm like, how did, I, <laughs> how did I play this as a child and like try and beat this game? Yeah. I'm, I almost, I've, tossed, I've tossed my controller a couple times. I, it doesn't surprise me. I've seen you play Tiger Woods. And, oh, yeah. Uh, what was it? Super Tiger was Dude, that's was tough for some you. bullshit. I yeah. had to, you have to beat Super Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh, my God. He was good. Stressed thinking <laughs> it was about like it. Two weeks. I beat him though. I beat that motherfucker. Yeah, we were all watching. It was uh, it was kind of a monumental moment. It was huge. I didn't cry though. I I think only because we were there. Theatrics. I wanted to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to give you guys a show. <laughs> well, we were filming it too because we knew we knew it was coming. I did it. I made it. I my my uh my Tiger Woods 03 Crime Dog C R Y M D O G Crime Dog. All right, last question here. Spencer Thomas says, what's your biggest pet peeve about living with me? Ooh. Um, Be careful with this one. Dude, I'll say it. Parker's very easy to live with. Oh. I don't know if I necessarily have a pet peeve, but I will say that I, I am not. I don't share a bathroom with Parker, so I don't. I feel like bathroom is like where a lot of like, where a grunt, like a. Yes. The, the, the brute. I don't know if. It's very easy to have a it pet is, peeve with somebody if you have, share a bathroom with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we moved in, me and Tom knew each other a little bit better 
than like we knew the other two guys, which Parker wasn't originally with us, but we didn't know Carmen and Ethan all that well. And so me and Tom are like, okay, we're going to share a bathroom right? because we can take care of this shit. And like, we'll like, we can communicate about it, whatever. And so me and Tom have been sharing a bathroom, even though it logistically doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. He's got to walk a long way to yeah. get there. Sometimes he cuts through my room though. Um, but I guess I don't really have a pet peeve with Parker. There, I said it. Ooh. I don't have beef. He's Spencer. playing it safe. He knows I can cut off this interview oh, anytime no. I, I know. want. He controls my career at this point. <laughs> yeah. He, he won't ever work in ground. this town again if he insults oh, me. Oh, no. no. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a few. You can No, you can dude, you're really good about here. refilling the Brita filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's a clean guy. I try. Quiet. It's awesome. It's like I'm not even here. You should get you a park. You should get yours today, Parker Wheeling. A mail order roommate. Parker. Yeah. A mail order Parker. There we oh go. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, that's gonna take us over to the last five, where I'm just gonna ask you five quick questions, and we'll be done. Hit me. Number one in the studio, we're playing live. Um, right now, I prefer being in the studio. But what overall, about the studio? Overall, live. Oh, so, uh, oh okay. Studio, I like the studio because it's not playing in front of people. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a little more comfortable. And I like playing in front of people because it's, that's like what actually keeps you going, you know? It's like the energy's right and like, mm-hmm. it's fucking, it's fun to do shit for people. Like, selfishly, yeah. it's like good to feel good about yourself in front of other people and like, totally do the things that you care about. Um, it is a yin and yang situation. Yeah. Every each of those situations is very selfish for me. I'm like, yeah, I like I like being in the studio because I like doing cool shit and like stuff. Like I like making things that I think are cool, and then I like playing in front of people because I like impressing people and impressing myself. And yeah, you know, I mean, I I can't disagree with you there. I'm all about the studio in general because I can just relax and make something that is uh, new for me. But having just started playing live again, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a great feeling to be like in front of people yeah, dude. and sharing that and creating that environment for people who are coming to see the show. It is its own high. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Question number two is what do you think is a perfect album front to back? Front to back. Perfect album. No skips. No skips. Um, all right. We've we've talked about them a couple of times. Uh, I think that there's D'Angelo has two. I think Voodoo. I mean, Voodoo people are like, this is the best album of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Messiah was released at a really important time in my life, where I was like a senior in high school. Yeah, and was like really getting into music for the first time. And so, I think Black Messiah is probably up there for me. And then we don't have to dive into it. I think there's a couple Kanye records that are that way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it sucks. It's controversial to say that. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, I mean, musically, you just it, it, you can't argue. No, with it, you know, musically only. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember when Black Messiah came out because I didn't know D'Angelo at all, and my friend showed that to me, and it was um, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's the piano. There's like a dun dun dun. Oh, dude, Sugar Daddy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, what dude. is this? this that is shit's sick. crazy. Yeah, I played that for my brother. So the day that album came out, I had like downloaded it on iTunes. I bought it on iTunes, had downloaded it to my iPod because I didn't have, love it. Or no, I guess at that point I did have an iPhone. Okay. Um, so it was probably on my phone, 
And I was playing it for my brother, and he was like, "Dude, turn this shit off." He's like, wow. "I don't even know." He was like, "I don't even know what this is." And I was like, "All right, man." <laughs> I love I how like, that's a reason I, to turn it off. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I was like, "Dude, I don't really know what this is either." I was like, "But it's so sick." And I've been listening to Angela for a while, but like, I still don't even all the way get it. But it was like, I just knew. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, this, just feel it. It's so sick. Very soulful. That yeah. album is great, but I, I still haven't listened all the way through Voodoo. Or brown sugar. Wow. I've, I've heard songs, but never yeah. the whole thing. They're great. Yeah, I know what um, I'll be doing today. Yeah, dude. Question I have a bootleg documentary I can send to you as well. A bootleg want. documentary? Uh, about D'Angelo. It's uh, got like a, all the subtitles are like from the Netherlands or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, send it over. Question number three. Who's your dream artist or and or producer to work with? Um... Uh, Tommy Troutwine and Hampton P. Great answer. Yeah. Um, no. R- realistically, I think that I've, I don't think I'd want to really work with anybody else right now. I'm sure that I'll become more confident and grow into something else maybe. Um, but I'd like to make music with them as long as I can. Yeah. Um, artist. Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be really cool to work with... Dude, I don't know. I'm a cynic. I'm cynical here. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to like be in the room with a guy like Frank Ocean. And then I'm like, dude, if I got in the fucking room with Frank Ocean, I probably wouldn't talk. I'd be like so fucking scared. <laughs> yeah. I don't have this swagger to be like, yo, what's up, man? Like, right. let's Dap make something. Up. Yeah, I'd be like, what's up, dude? And then just like sit in the corner. Right. Um, I- so realistically, I don't know if I'd want to work with anyone that's not my friend. Right. I feel that. I mean, um, it's such an intimidating yeah. situation you know the two i wrote down i'd like to see would be maddie healy and Whoa. mcgee dude and both of them if i was there i would also be like yeah you know sitting in the corner and like scared to say anything because they're legends they're both kind of scary figures i think if i could if i could acclimate if i could spend a summer with people like where we like kind of yeah. like live in the same town and just like pass by each other and we're like yo what's up good to see you and then like kind of organically mm-hmm. make Quote friends unquote. with them and then it's like okay let's make some music that would be cool um but to cold just like to cold walk into a room and be like all right let's make a record what do we got right i don't have that swagger in me yeah at all. and so uh tommy trot one hampton p locking that in lock it in final answer tommy trot one hampton p Wabaz records if anybody in Athens or outside of Athens need, wants to work with them, highly recommend it. Everything they yeah. make is great. And his DIs sound awesome. Amps are no good, but his DI sounds so sick. He uses a lot of DI? I didn't know that. He doesn't. That's oh. why we hear the amps in the living room. That's why I was like, what? I Use the like, DI if you record with Tommy Trout one. <laughs> yes. His roommates will thank you. For our sake. Yeah. I won't have to go take long walks. <laughs> no. We call him Long Walk Whirling. <laughs> That's right. That's what they call me. Question number four. What's on your musical rotation right now? Uh, right now. Um, I mean, this past weekend was, it felt like it was all just like the new 1975 record. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts? I think it's really cool. I like, I, I do kind of miss the, the full spectrum of like fucking weird punk songs like country songs notes like from a conditional form dude i miss like the house beats i miss like the weird r&b sample songs and like but i do i mean i I love the record it's cool um 
they're just really good and i yeah i've said it before it's it's a really it sounds like a silly thing to say out loud but i think that they're probably one of the more important bands of our generation um i think there's a, definitely an argument to be made for that yeah but i their body of work is insane yeah it's crazy like i personally i find it hard to say that notes on a conditional form is like an amazing album but what i do think is cool about it is that it's kind of like the white album where it has something for everyone yeah you can find like i like a few of the songs and i've I've known i liked a few of the songs but i couldn't get past like i I could never listen to it start to finish because i'm like there's four orchestral pieces I don't need to hear Dude, all of them. It is a bear. Yes. But it's beautiful. And I think I'm also very grateful for, for them specifically because it feels like that was the first time like I listened to like an album and I was like, not that specific album, but like a couple of like their different things where I was like, I mean, they'll release singles and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, they put out part of the band and we were like, what are you doing? Yeah. That was, was like, this is cool. It makes a lot of sense in the context yeah. now. Exactly. But like when they would put out singles and stuff, I'd be like, this is like not like 1975, like they're a rock band and then they became a pop band and now it's like they're just a band and there's no genre and that was a very like alleviating feeling where I was like, oh dude, you can do whatever you want. Right. Like you can do whatever you want. Like no one, like genre doesn't fucking matter. And so we're just literally trying to make songs. Yeah. Make that into an album. They do embody that. Yeah. I will say, which is cool. So that's why I think that they're really important. But uh, I've been listening to that a lot, and then um, I've listened to I've been listening to a lot of um, I have the CD from the thrift store. I got it earlier this year, but I've been listening to a lot of the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh, okay. Um, in my car, and then um, one other thing. What have I listened to? Probably like. I listened to Graduation a lot last week. Yeah, we were listening to it in Kane's. Oh, yes, we were in the Kane's, (laughs) the Kane's line, and we're getting graduated. You could usually finish a whole album in that line. Dude, it is crazy. I went again last night. It's an epidemic. Yeah, (laughs) it's awful. It's pretty good. It's awesome. But it's, uh, it's tough to convince myself to go wait in that line. Yeah, that is very. I'll just go to Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's, man. Right next door. There's never, ever a Freaky line. fast. That's right. <laughs> shout out Jimmy John's. Yes, shout out. All right, last question here. What is your favorite decade of music? And alternatively, what's the worst decade of music? Cool. Let's talk, man. I don't really know. Um, I... Some of my... Because I guess it's all that I've been alive for. Some of my favorite shit, it's all like 90s, 2000s, 2010. Like, since I've been alive, I've listened to a lot of like the music, but I I didn't, growing up, my parents were never into music really. Um, and so I didn't like inherit really anything from them. Mm-hmm. So stuff that like predated me, I've had to like really kind of go back and find for myself. And best era, dude, I don't know. Best era. I think that like for pop music, like the 2000s probably, and for country music, 2000s for sure, I think. But that's also probably very biased based on like my my nostalgia and shit. It's hard Um, to shake that, you know? Yeah. And, but then like, I think that 
like one of my favorite bands is Steely Dan and like the shit that they did in like 60s, 70s. It's so sick. Or I guess maybe that was like, I don't even know if they're making it in the 60s. I think it may have been. Just yeah, I think it was 70s. 70s. I think 71 may have been like the first record. Or yeah. Something. Um, But like 70s, 80s. Randy Newman. I like Randy Newman oh, okay. a lot. And that was like, I guess, but those didn't, I guess to, to us now, it's like those guys are huge and like Steely Dan's big. Randy Newman's big, but like I don't know if they necessarily were back then. I think Steely Dan may have been, but I don't think Randy Newman ever really got much recognition until he started doing Toy Story. <laughs> a lot of like the, <laughs> yeah. a lot of like the the soundtracks for different Pixar and Disney stuff. It's um, funny to think that he had a whole ass career before that, dude. Yeah, and it's like those songs. He's got he's one of the best songwriters I've ever heard. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think that. Some of that stuff. I guess that would be 70s. I think 70s stuff is really cool. I don't know, dude. I think that it's... I think of music a lot less in decades and a lot more in, like, artists. Yeah. But for the sake of it, I think that 2000s and, let's say, the 70s mm-hmm. are my favorites. And then I think that... uh, I don't know, dude. Who's bad? 2010s country was really bad. Uh, yeah, it 20, was. 2010's country, Jason Aldean, all that shit was real tough. Florida um, Georgia Line. F- yeah, Florida Georgia Line. Um, that's probably my least favorite era of music is 2010's country. Mm, but really just specific to country. Um, I guess. I mean, I, I like some of the 2010's pop. Honestly, like, I think that... The thing about 2010's is... That's all 1975. There's nothing before that. Yeah, but that's, I don't think of them in like pop radio. Like, I don't know. That's yeah. the thing is like there's exceptions to every decade. Of course. Yeah. Um, there's going to be good stuff and terrible stuff in every decade. Yeah. And honestly, I think that we're, we're living in a very fucking weird time where like songs are popular because of TikTok. And that makes me want to walk into the ocean. <laughs> that makes me want to. And they're popular for like three days. Dude, it's re- And like, there's like mashups and shit. I'm mm-hmm. learning, I'm learning all this. I'm not on TikTok um, because I'm, because I'm better than it. Yes. Yeah. If because you're on TikTok, we're better than you. Just um, kidding. I'm on TikTok. I'm kidding. I, follow on that note on TikTok, by the way. <laughs> follow, follow my man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, TikTok, I feel like I was just a little bit too late to the game and it just stresses me out. Totally. Yeah. And I already like Instagram is enough for me to try and keep up with and like try and like keep people interested in what I'm doing. Yeah. And it feels like a hellhole. And so I'm it's not, on, I'm not on TikTok and I feel like an old man. And then I'm like learning from like my girlfriend, like, yeah, so like, these songs are hot right now because of TikTok. And then I'll look at the streams. I'm like, God damn. I was right. Like, they have 4 million streams on like Insane. Spotify out of nowhere because it got like played as a sound. On right. T- which doesn't make any sense to me. That that's I don't know the why verbiage. they call it sounds. I don't know, dude. I think that maybe we were living in the worst era of music right now is what <laughs> I'm getting at. Be. Yeah. That, like the way that music is consumed is just super, super odd, very cheap, whatever. It seems like it's going well for consumers, so I will get off the soapbox. <laughs> I will, yeah, I'll say, you know, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I think what is good about the 2020s uh, so far is that, in terms of music, is that for creators, we can, you can do a lot by yourself in your room yeah. with a laptop and an audio interface and all that. So, like, 
in that way, even though it's been sort of cheapened by social media and um, just ac- accessibility, yeah, that accessibility does allow people to create yeah. stuff no. a lot easier than you know you could in the 60s, 70s, 80s, For sure. 90s. Yeah, there's like a lot less gatekeeping, which I think is a really good thing overall. Right. Um, it feels like, dude, it feels like you just can't get, it feels like everything is swinging where it's like too much on, like too much on the gatekeeper side. And then there's like so much freedom that like, I don't know. It's hard to keep up with. Yeah, it just feels like there's got to be something like, I think it's still going on. You just don't see it a ton, but it's like where like someone has like the creative freedom of like doing whatever they're doing out of their bedroom and then like having someone come alongside of them and like help guide them or like help fund them or whatever it might be, you know, I don't know. In a dream world. Yeah. It seems like there's no rules. Like you can make it in any way. You could do everything you think you're supposed to do and not get an inch closer to your goal. So you might as well do what you want and have fun doing it because you know you really don't know what's yeah. gonna happen that's it bro i'd say on that note let's uh let's cut this interview it's been a blast zach crook thank you for joining me thank you for everybody go listen to better taste the new single out right now thank you make a tiktok with it hell yeah put that shit all over tiktok let's make them viral TikTok, make me famous <laughs> all right zach thank you again for joining me Thanks, appreciate Sean. it dude yeah thank you so much for you made it so Thank you again for joining me for another episode of On That Note with Parker Whirling. If you haven't yet, please make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, and you can even leave a comment down below to let me know who you're listening to. On that note, I'll see you guys next time.